and welcome to episode 23 of the Night Gallery podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're going to be talking about The Merciful, which is a short story written by Jack Laird. It comes in about three and a half minutes long. Um, it's directed by uh, Jeno Swark and also is, uh, well, it was based on a short story by Charles L. Sweeney Jr. Um, it, it, well, it doesn't feature an intro from uh, Rod Serling, which, as I've mentioned before, is an indication that this was one of the rush jobs to uh, fill an ep- you know, to, to fill space in an episode. Our story is uh, very simple. It's about an elderly woman who is building a wall brick by brick to create uh, an airtight cubicle. Her voice during this uh, this period of time of putting it together is reassuring that um, that, do, that creating this wall is for her husband's own good. He's sitting there on the other side of the wall, obviously, uh, in, a, in a wicker chair, looking quite solemn, um, but also, you know, quite, um, quite quiet and withdrawn. It's, uh, well, you know, it, it involves um, the, the wall being built up and, it, it, you know, it's, it, it's very slow, but it's quite obvious what's happening at this stage. Dear, now dear, you relax and try not to worry. Just a few more rows, and in a little while, it will be all over. It's really much better this way. Once they tell you, once you know for sure, it makes no sense sitting around and waiting to be eaten up by the pain. Now, dear, we agreed last night this was best. So with that reassuring tone going on, um, she finally bricks in the last the last brick and the, the wall's complete. And then we hear a doorbell ring and the big surprise is the fact that she wasn't bricking in her own husband, but in actual fact was bricking herself in for the good of her husband. And we see our... Um, a rather weak-willed man totter up the stairs to find out who'd been knocking on the door. I think um, this story works a lot better than a lot of the other short stories, although there is another short coming up that we'll discuss in a few weeks' time, which is very good, uh, which was written by Jack Laird. But I do think that um, it's, I think it works because it's quite personal. It's, you know, it's a gaggy, it does have a, a gag, but it, it's not overplayed. And I think that's mainly because of uh, Jeno Swark's uh, direction where, you know, he's made it very much about people. The uh, the acting uh, is, is got a light touch, but a quite, you know, quite comedic way. Uh, Imogen Coco as the wife is uh, suitably, uh, you know, forceful, but also quite kind in the way she says it. You can imagine she'd been a woman who's been able to manipulate a situation as much as she probably has. Um, also, the husband, which is uh, played by King Donovan, who was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, is a very weak man and um, quite browbeaten from over the years of, uh, uh, and it does show. And I think it's quite, uh, it's quite good fun the way he he, he does what he does. Um, and well, the actress Louise Sorrell, uh, who. Um, appeared in The Dead Man and Pickman's model, friend of Jack Laird, who's the producer, exactly the executive producer and also the writer of this story, uh, believes that uh, Laird fashioned the piece, which is, uh, to be fair, 
an obvious homage to Edgar Allan Poe. Um, it's an idea that pops into... Um, well, it was in... Oh, it's the cask of Amontillado. Um, of, you know, the idea of being bricked in and then, just, you know, the air goes out. I mean, you know, it's, some, it's an idea that, that's been used frequently through the years now. I mean, you know, you can even see it in a Simpsons episode. But also, it's... Um, you know, it's... Well, she thinks, anyway, that the reason why this twist is because of more of his own family arrangements. She said, His wife was uh, constantly decorating his house and she was driving him nuts. So he wrote this piece that was this really this his fantasy of walling his wife in. It was hysterical. Now I don't you know obviously that's her opinion and you know we you know let's not draw too much into that but you know it's not like he said it himself probably quite wisely so but um it's a little bit you know it's obviously a bit of fun and you know it's a bit of a cliched um family you know family environment between a wife and husband but you know it's a bit silly. Um I mean I think it also, though, gives an indication a little bit of, well, with the relationship between what happened with Rod Serling and himself. He was seen as a recluse, a man who would avoid confrontation. So, I mean, you know, he was always seen as a man who was always, you know, basically lived in his office rather than at home. Um, You know, people's memories of him are that he would desperately try and avoid any kind of arguments but also as a man that could turn stuff around very quickly and a, you know go to man to fix a problem but you know part of the problem with that is with Rod Serling who um, has very set ideas and is um, wanted it to be you know wanted the show to be a very certain way and us but whereas Laird was uh, in more, far more interested in being experimental uh, fast moving trying out new ideas and I think in a sense the reality of what that created was um, a bit more uh, problems in terms of those two characters colliding Um, I don't think it's any surprise considering the character of Laird who was you know a quiet writer uh, a man who was you know interested in hiding a little bit more away from if there was a problem and trying to you know write his way around as his way when confronted with Serling, who would come on the phone and just say, I want it like this, my name's on the title, um, that there would be a bit more friction than you would normally expect in any kind of working relationship. Obviously, part of the reason for that is because Serling, Serling's name was on it, he thought he had ownership because, you know, he had so much, you know, he, he, he was part of the reason why the show existed and why it was in such a, such a major player so quickly. But also, obviously... Jack Laird was the man that was putting it together day by day. He was working extremely hard to make it what it was. And it's unsurprising that in that sense, there was um, some disagreements and some strong disagreements, to be fair. Um, But, you know, I mean, as we go on, we'll discuss this more. But, you know, by the end of the the middle of the second series, they, they, you know, Laird was just refusing to answer Serling's calls because it always ended in an argument. Anyway, um, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, we're going to be uh, moving on to Class of '99 next week, which is a fantastic story. Um, I'll be um, well. If you want to contact me, the best way is always on Twitter at orange underscore monkey. However, if you want to make any comments about any or any feedback of what you've heard or your own opinions of the show, you can do that at 
the uh, dimensionxradio.com which is the website where the, uh, the all the links are to, for, the, for, the, for the podcast not just mine but also Tom's which is a Twilight Zone podcast which is a fantastic show and is the you know he's, he's the man who kind of is behind a lot of this of what we do um there's also a link to his forum on Cult Labs as well, the Twilight Zone forum. The Blu-rays and DVDs are out now. Um, you might have uh, people in the UK might have spotted some uh, articles in the papers uh, discussing um, the shows um, and like the the impact that the Twilight Zone had had. So if you want to uh, discuss your opinions on those Blu-rays or indeed on uh, Night Gallery, uh, pop over to the uh, the forums. Um, but that's it for this week. Uh, next week, as I said, will be uh, Class of '99, which is uh, the first appearance of Vincent Price into the sh- into uh, into the series, and also another Rod Serling script. It's also uh, prob- it's one of my you know one of my favourite stories. It's it's quite bleak and claustrophobic. A great tale. But until then, I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Goodbye. <laughs>